episode of Lions of the Donkeys podcast. I'm Joe, and burping into the microphone is Nick. I burped away. <laughs> burped away from the microphone. Uh, it, we're all about class here. Exactly. Uh, you know what else is classy? Winter War Part 3. Uh, Classiest. Part 3 of, of 25. Um, I have been researching this. Um, I have uh, brought a snowmaker into my home <laughs> to uh, better put me in the mood. Uh, my family has left me. My dog is no longer my friend. But the garage is now a swamp as well. <laughs> yeah, I've I, I've I've flooded my garage and then froze it and filled it full of landmines. Uh, ATF for listening. That is a joke. Uh, yeah, please do not come and Waco me. Uh, but yeah, we are in part three of uh, of the Winter War. Um, oh, uh, all right. I normally say I don't aim for episode numbers anymore. Aiming for five. You're aiming for five. Aiming for five. Okay. It will be slightly shorter than the war itself. Nice. <laughs> uh, so when we left you last week, the hundreds of thousands of Red Army soldiers were uh, storming across the Finnish border and the badly outnumbered Finnish soldiers were hunkered down for the assault. If you remember, the government thought that the Finnish working class was oppressed and starving and had, didn't even have shoes. Uh. Yeah. Uh, they were under the belief that Finnish leftists and communists... Uh, Finnish shoes are just cubes of ice. That they just stick they're, their foot actually, into. Well, it's hard to find shoes when your feet are actually ski shaped. Oh yeah, yes, yeah. they evolved. They <laughs> yeah, evolved they just to ski. It. All right, later. <laughs> <laughs> so they were operating under a bullshit idea that the Finnish leftists and the the communists in Finland uh, still held some kind of ill will towards the government as a repercussion from the white terror. Uh, during the Finnish Civil War. And part of that is true. Um, uh, so don't flame me too hard in the comment section. That did exist. The white terror happened. It was terrible. And the leftists that survived the war weren't super happy about it. But that doesn't mean they wanted to destroy Finland. Um, but something that Stalin seemingly forgot was that the hardline communists who fought in that Civil War or who had supported the the red effort uh had mostly fled to the Soviet Union or died uh, or both outside of that they were old yeah it's now 1939 <laughs> uh they're not exactly like young firebrands like stalin should have known this cuz he was fighting in the russian civil war at about the same time and now he's he's like hmm these guys are all old zion they're probably not hitting the streets anytime soon he probably thinks too highly of himself where he's like they're probably badass they're still good yeah i could totally beat that guy's ass he's he's like the 1930s tough guy that has like his pants pulled up to his tits and he's like the fat guy from uh oh we know stalin does yeah 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 um now he also believed that um that they were just waiting for the soviet liberation um and so the the book frozen hell doesn't normally uh roast people because it's not what it's about it's, it's a, a frozen book. It's it's a history book, uh, he, but he calls this political vaudeville, which is pretty uh, fitting. Um, so, when the first towns of uh, that the Soviets took over, and I'm going to mispronounce this, is called Teriyaki. Or... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's Teriyaki. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't have the umlauts over it. Uh, but, so Teriyaki. Yeah, Teriyaki. Um, uh, I, I enjoy the restaurants here in Yelm. Um, They're now, not bad. Uh, once. They uh, so once they took Cheap. once they took over the small town. It's not a town of note really at all. Um, they immediately set up a puppet government that 
they called the People's Republic of Finland and dragged a veteran of the Civil War and founder of the the banned Finnish Communist Party, a guy named Otto Wilhelm Kusinen, uh, to be its head. The problem is like when you're when you're trying to do that, when you're trying to like uh, kind of like split the country in half and and force. If uh, Finnish citizens to take sides, you kind of want them to have somebody to to rally around. Yeah. And Kusin wasn't exactly that guy. From what I know, people in bands aren't really reliable. <laughs> uh, now, uh, once in power like a good puppet, uh, Kusin signed every single pre-war demand the Soviet Union had given the Finnish government that they refused to sign, as well as he signed the paperwork necessary, necessary to absorb his imaginary version of Finland into the Soviet Union. Mm. Uh, now, the idea was that once Kusinin was in place, he would inspire all these uh, Finnish communists, leftists, whatever, to uh, rise up. Because they're like, oh, shit, look, now there's a communist Finland again. Yeah, uh, Finland, is, let's go support that one. A couple problems with that. One, no one had any fucking idea who Kusinin was. Uh, he wasn't like a household name to Finnish communists or, or Finns in general. No one really understood who he was. He just happened to be a Stalinist who lived in the Soviet Union who was Finnish. So Stalin's like, that guy. Hey, I'm, I'm going over here in Teriyaki. Hey. <laughs> now, even Kusinin knew this problem was dumb. And he, he told Stalin, like, there really isn't an underground communist movement in Finland. This isn't going to work. The ground's too cold to go underground. You don't understand. <laughs> yeah, there, there are literally no mole, mole people here, uh, especially no mole communists. Uh Kusin, I'm assuming in the most lauding terms available that he could think of, told Stalin that his idea really wasn't going to work. Because, you know, you can't tell Stalin your idea isn't going to work because that's how you get dead. Yeah, I wonder how he put it. Uh, he probably said, very good idea, sir. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> but the fault doesn't fall on Stalin himself. As, uh, and by fault, I mean not by picking Kusin. That is Stalin's fault. The, the the botched idea of this um, uh, puppet republic was really, really bad. And they picked a guy who could not run it. Uh, just because you once led a political party does not, in fact, mean you'll be good at being a gov- uh, being the head of a government. For instance, Kustin had no idea what was going on in Finland anymore. Because you remember, he was running around the Soviet Union, right. probably trying his hardest not to die during the purges. Um he was so behind the times. It was kind of hilarious. <laughs> For instance, he attempted, he's like, well, you know what? Nobody really knows who I am. And most Finns don't like what we're trying to do here. So we're going to try to win them over. And that was, we're going to work on land distribution. Um, you know, we're going to pass the, uh, we're going to try to break up some of these monopolies on land and give it to the working class, which is, you know, common, a common leftist tactic. And it's not entirely wrong. And also, we are going to establish an eight hour workday to, you know, better benefit the working class now there's a problem one those are both very very good ideas the problem was they both have already happened in finland 25 years ago <laughs> he didn't know it was hip at the time he had, in finland this is like 25 years ago would have put him only a couple of years removed from actually living in <laughs> finland <laughs> during his speech he's like i'm doing all this cool shit we already have that yeah that's like oh. Elon Musk. The other, <laughs> that's like Elon Musk going on Twitter. He's like, the only way we need to uh, 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 alleviate traffic is through underground tunnels and public transit. And like, you mean a subway? You're talking about a subway. We already have those. But have you heard my idea of landing on the moon? <laughs> Crazy idea here. Yeah, let's land on the moon. Like, sir, it is 2020. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like Finns were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it turned out uh, the real Finnish government had did that 
25 years ago and it's already encoded into law. And now the land distribution that they did wasn't as extreme as what you'd imagine that um, uh, Kusnan wanted, sure. But the fact was that they actually already did happen. Yeah. Now, Kusnan also wanted to, he wanted to be more than a puppet, like a lot of puppet governments do. He he wanted to think of himself as an equal person in this partnership, and which is insane because he's partnering with fucking Joseph Stalin. <laughs> um, so he's like, I'm going to create my own army for you know, the People's Republic of, of, of Finland. Yeah, I want to be invited to his apartment. So he created what was known as the Finnish National Army. Um, now, that is not a real army, and it will only be talked about for this one paragraph, so bear with me. Uh, I did it again. Oh, we'll we'll talk about that. Um uh, nobody really gave a shit. Um <laughs> and kind of like the Civil War, um he didn't he never had a population base to get conscription off of. So it wasn't it, it wasn't going anywhere. Um so instead he enlisted a couple thousand Civil War veterans to fill its ranks. Now, if you remember, that's more than I can get. They're in their late 40s now, <laughs> most likely. Wow. There might be some like child soldiers floating around or whatever, but but they are not the cream of the crop people you should be enlisting in to mm. be your revolutionary army. This formation smells like Bengay. <laughs> My back hurts. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, the whole thing was such a joke that they wouldn't even send it into battle, which is impressive because, I mean, look what they sent it to battle. <laughs> yeah. um, later, as the war pressed on, the Soviets and the their puppet government uh, functionaries were like, I got a better idea. We have all these... Finns sitting in POW camps that we captured. Let's turn them to our side. Only 16 people joined them. 16 out of, out of several thousand. Oh, okay. Several thousand. Yeah, 16. I wonder how, hey, who wants to join? There's just like a few spots here and there where people are like, yeah. raise these hands slowly. And normally what happens is, is like, if you join us, we will treat you better. And because like being in a POW camp in the middle of the dead of winter in fucking Finland ran by the Soviet Union sounds like what nightmares are made out of. So right. like, fuck it, I'll join for a goddamn campfire right about now. God damn it, I want a piece of bread. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, that's kind of the, I mean, the SS did that during World War II where uh, they captured a whole bunch of people. They'd be like, hey, if you join us, we will treat you better. Like there was, I think it was called like the British Legion or something like that. They're like, yeah, you're going to be the vanguard when the, the Nazi army takes over the UK and like 10 guys joined them. I think I don't even actually, I don't even think it was 10. I think it was less than that, but yeah, the same thing. Now, instead of breaking apart, uh, like the Soviet Union wanted them to, uh, along class and societal lines and ideological lines and everything else, the Soviet invasion actually unified Finland uh, under what I believe we have called the great unified fuck them theory on this show, oh. where it's like, we don't like you, but we don't like them a whole lot more. And like, fuck that guy. And then all of everybody joins together to fuck that one guy. And they're like, we'll deal with each other it's later. A big guy. Yeah. Uh, and it, it now that in propaganda terms and what it is now called is called the spirit of the winter war. Um, and it's not entirely wrong. That's they, dope. It really did help unify the country together. Like the Soviet Union probably had a much better chance of tearing apart Finland if they just tried to like do some kind of, I don't know, political op. Yeah. Like it, instead of like actively attempting to destroy them. <laughs> uh, but leftists from all shades end up joining the Finnish military. Um, and because they didn't totally trust the Finnish government to have their best interests because, like, the Communist Party still banned. Uh, like, labor unions were still not a thing um, because they thought of the labor unions as a hotbed of leftism, which is entirely uh, incorrect. So, like, 
if you formed a union in Finland at the time, like, cool, you're fired. <laughs> oh, fuck. Okay. Um, so, like, it, it, there was still, you know, quite a bit of animosity there. Uh, but, you know, uh, the idea of the Soviet Union being some liberator to them was quickly evaporating when they watched the Soviet Union have, like, high five with the Nazis, then take over Poland. Like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> And like, and then it went from being like, "Hey, maybe the Soviets will come and help us again." To, "Oh God, the Soviets are going to come and try to help us again when the purges started." Yeah. Like, okay, now we're terrified of you. Like, this, this we want nothing to do with you anymore. This is great. Because remember, like when the Soviets helped them during the Civil War, that was like, I mean, Lenin has his fucking problems, but he wasn't Joseph Stalin. But I feel like help from Stalin isn't really help. It's not. It's it, well. It was a lot like the help that the Nazis ended up giving uh, Finland during the continuation war. Like, yeah, we're going to help you, but we're not going to fucking leave either. Yeah, and then they'd like physically be removed in a different war altogether. <laughs> um, Strap it, on your skis, boys. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, Finland, the the leftists of Finland saw their only real salvation of maybe not dying in some horrible purge or a death camp of some kind was the actual government. Um, and there's these areas called red villages that were uh, the villages that had supported the the communist side during the Civil War. Okay. Uh, a lot of those guys joined the Finnish military. Like, yeah, fuck the Soviets. Now, wow. there is some controversy because a lot of them died um, like in greater numbers than uh, Finns from other parts of the country. But that has been mostly attributed to the fact that uh, kind of like uh, a greater number of lower class uh, people uh, died in the Vietnam War. Because, like, you probably didn't have a great education, no. you're going to carry a rifle. Like, and that sounds kind of shitty, but it's not not true. <laughs> like, they were mostly farmers, hunters, shit like that. Like, you're infantry. Infantry's going to die a lot. Yeah. It, it sucks. Uh, war's bad. Don't, don't invade people. <laughs> like, just, just don't do it. Um, but like, that, like a lot of things, never stopped Stalin from doing something stupid. And... Um, on that topic, let's talk about the hilarious Red Navy. Now, we often talk about how backwards uh, the, the, the Red Army was at the time. Right. And it was. Uh, the Red Navy was still firmly in World War I land, but oh. worse kept and even, bad, uh, even worse led, which is impressive. Uh, uh, most of the admirals had died during the purge. Um, and there is... Um, I guess a historical reason for that, the Red Navy, which you know before that was the Russian Imperial Navy, was kind of a hotbed of of mutinies and being something of a vanguard for revolutions. Like oh, it really? happened during the Russian Revolution, so uh, Stalin really didn't trust the admirals. Like you might do that again, die. Yeah, like <laughs> but we're communists. Like eh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um, now, the Red Navy had attempted to lay siege on the Gulf of Finland. This, the Soviet name was, it had largely been forgotten about since the revolution kicked off and got rid of the Tsar. So it was about a quarter century behind the times. And the only reason it wasn't blown out of the water within 10 minutes of this war is because the Finnish Navy was even more backwards and was little more than a coast like guard. It was like a canoe. It was like gunboats. Uh, mm. but, but those were from 1914, 1915. That's awesome. It's 1939. Yeah. So, yeah. They did get their hands on two boats that could be considered cruisers, but it's the Gulf of Finland. In the winter, they were frozen in place and never fought. Oh, uh, yes. We have another bunker. Yeah, pretty much. We have an ice bunker. Yeah. Um, speaking of ice, by the beginning of December, the entire Gulf had begun freezing, though it wasn't 
completely frozen yet. So the brilliant naval commander, Joseph Stalin, a man who never once served a day in any Navy, simply told his admirals, use submarines to go under the ice. Now that would kind of work. There are icebreaker submarines and that does work these days. But again, this is 1939 and Joseph Stalin's using submarines that are from maybe 1920. Um, going into how dumb that is on face value, the Soviet naval officers point out the Gulf was just too shallow. Like, we'll just hit the ground, sir. Yeah, just, I, mean, I imagine like the tower of it, like dive, dive, and the tower's still sticking out. The guy's still sitting up on top, like, ah, oh, fuck, we hit the bottom. Uh, and it was also like strewn with reefs that would just shred a fucking sub if it ground up against it. Stalin ordered them into battle anyway. Uh, now, the the subs really didn't do much of anything because as dumb as the admirals were or the people in charge, they're like, we're not going to just order our sub to go sink itself. Yeah. We'll just hang out. <laughs> yeah. uh, now, instead of confronting the Soviet Navy on the water, the Finns decided to be in their best interest to duel it out from the shore. Uh, Finnish coastal guns were uh, older than everybody using them at that point. Uh, a lot of them were leftovers from world war one the civil war some from the late 1800s oh wow uh but they did crew the best trained gunners in the entire finnish military that's awesome i don't know how that works like well we can't afford guns but we sure can practice on them a lot so sure maybe they had competitions with those too yeah let's go (laughs) let's go hunting reindeer with this fucking (laughs) cannon uh, Soviet naval tactics were strikingly familiar to their land tactics and uh, so they kind of sent the boat version of a human wave attack which is they got really really close that doesn't sound surprising yeah and it's because that their gunners were kind of shit and their guns were shit and their boats were shit <laughs> um, so they're like well let's get really really close so we can't miss <laughs> let's surely die um, didn't really work uh, and each one was, uh, instead of like really seeing the Finnish guns, and they weren't really well camouflaged either, they just decided, well, we'll just obliterate everything over there. We're just going to broadside that whole swath of forest, or we're going to destroy that whole harbor where, the gu- the, where that one gun is. Yeah. Um, the problem was that the Finnish coastal gunners had balls of fucking steel, and the Soviet naval gunners were trained by Mr. Magoo. Um <laughs> As badly aimed broadsides landed all around the Finnish gunners, destroying entire swaths of forest and whole harbors, like I said, the gunners simply stood there and waited for it to be over. Um, and it, so they would just wait and like, well, the Soviets have to reload eventually. <laughs> so they'd wait for the pause so they wouldn't get their heads taken off with a fucking shell. And then in some cases, use their one single cannon to fire incredibly well-aimed single shots that turned the entire Soviet Navy back. I can imagine the barrages. Do, 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 do. All right, they're done. Yeah. Oh, fuck! <laughs> An entire battleship does a backflip through the air and explodes. Like, in, in, in one case, they did turn away uh, a ship that was, like, bigger than anything in the Finnish Navy with one single shot because uh, the way it turned, I mean, it was a completely lucky shot. The, the, the Soviet boat turned, and it hit it right below the waterline. And oh. cause it like it to flood with water, and it had to retreat or sink. Really cold water too. <laughs> yeah. They really wanted to get. Out and of like there. another case, they hit a boat directly in the magazine, which oh, caused wow. it to explode. Shit. Yeah, it's like, bitch, can't fucking do that twice. Yeah, we're really good at this, or really lucky. Yeah, uh, don't look that one. Like, don't look that one too close. Uh, you don't want to find out that you're wrong. Let's just keep being lucky. Yeah. 
Uh, finally, the Gulf of Finland froze up entirely, ending the naval war and saving the Red Navy from further embarrassment. Now, as we talked about before, the Karelian Isthmus was uh, the main strategic point uh, on land, and that's where the Soviet Union was really aiming its main push. Um, the Finns knew this would be a case and uh, evacuated all the uh, civilians ahead of time, so they wouldn't have to worry about them getting caught in the crossfire. And what's really crazy is uh, now the, the Finns conducted scorch earth tactics to everything. If somebody abandoned their house and they burned it down. In one case, they actually, uh, there's like a, a Finnish border guard who went to a house with like an old woman who was by herself. All of her kids were in the uh, army now at the front or already dead. Um, and uh, they're like, hey, we, we need you to leave. And she's like, okay. And they let, and the border guards walked away and they turned on, she was torching her own house. She's like, I got this. <laughs> yeah. I got this. <laughs> Uh, now, obviously, uh, this was so that the Soviets would have nowhere to go. There was no right. food except they carried it. There would be no shelter. Um, if I can't have this, you can't have this. Yeah, and this, would, of course, would be the exact same fucking thing the Soviets would do in a few years against Nazis. Um, though the village was thoroughly destroyed and everything else uh, that could be used for anything was removed, they were also booby-trapped to hell and back. I think the Soviets learned a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, I, they did, and that's kind of how this war ends. Stalin's like, this isn't fucking working. I actually have to promote someone competent. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get to that point. Um, there was definitely a Soviet centers for le- lessons learned somewhere down the line. Now, uh, mines and bombs were left everywhere in these villages, including wooden mines, so the Soviets couldn't detect oh, them. Oh, man. Uh, so that the, the Soviets, after getting their shit fucked up in a couple villages, like, God damn it, we have to send scouts out to all these villages before we finally go up to them. So they sent scouts out, which would then immediately get ambushed by snipers and then have their corpses uh, booby-trapped. Snow mine. <laughs> so they, they effectively worked the uh, this st- Soviet army into a feedback loop of ambushes forever. <laughs> now, the Isthmus was normally a string of swamps and lakes that were, if you were to make a natural barrier the worst it could possibly be for military operations, it would look like this. Um, but they had frozen over, which is the one time Finland actually helped the Soviets. Um, this allowed Soviet armor columns and soldiers to simply walk across frozen lakes. Because, mm. I mean, these lakes are so solidly frozen you can drive tanks across them. Oh, wow. Um, but the Finns knew this was going to happen. So they, li- they laid mines in the water, modifying them in such a way that they would float. So then when it froze over... There'll be landmines just below the ice's surface. This is fucking some acme shit. This is awesome. <laughs> so you can see where this is going. There'd be an entire company, and they would not put them at the water's edge. They'd be in the middle. <laughs> so there'd be like an entire company, battalion, whatever, of Soviet soldiers walking across the lake. It would explode, kill a handful of people, but then it would fracture all the fucking oh, ice man. and send everybody into the frozen water where they would die. Yeah. and though It sucks. And then... They knew that like this this would only work once or twice, and the Soviets would be like, all right, all right, no more walking on lakes. You have to go around. Well, that's where they have the ambushes set up. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't ambush them while they were on the lakes. Like, no, nah, let the lake handle this one. <laughs> Look, uh, there's no winning here, guys. We either die in the water or we die on the road. There were some places where the ice had frozen, but they had not mined. Mm. But they're like, well, fuck, the Soviets are going to find this out, and they're going to go that way. So how can we make it look like we've been here? And, and from your Acme fucking playbook, they rolled in a, a giant unbroken sheet of cellophane over it. So from the sky, the frozen lake looked unfrozen. So the oh, Soviets wow. didn't even go look at it. 
I have no idea how that works. The fins are awesome. <laughs> like uh, around the table, someone's like, "Fuck, what are we gonna do?" Someone's like, "We could mine it." No, we don't have the landmines for it. We can set up an ambush. We don't have the men for it. Someone's like, "Plastic wrap, cellophane." <laughs> My God. <laughs> Like, who the fuck is... Who let their dumb cousin come into the office? (laughs) Fuck it. Let's try his. They're like, oh, I can't believe it worked. Yeah. Promote that man. (laughs) Make him a division commander or something. Um, Now, the huge amount of Soviet armor and vehicles that they're pushing into the theater caused traffic jams um, on the few roads that went through the area. Because remember, there's only a couple of routes through because it's an incredibly rural area. And Finland doesn't exactly have a lot of fucking traffic going out that way. So there's like two roads. So they immediately went into gridlock. These columns were then battled by horrible winter storms, outright freezing soldiers to the ground and killing them. The Finns would then target their rear units uh, because now the Finns moved with small personal, uh, like kind of like burners that you'd use in camping to cook food. They didn't have huge field kitchens. Right. Uh, They did this because one, they simply didn't have the military infrastructure to support or supply these field kitchens and two, because they needed to move quickly. Even their defense is flexible. Um, the Soviets, by their part, uh, brought giant f- uh, field kitchens that belched out black smoke as they cooked because nice. they were powered by wood. Uh, so the Finns were like, hey, look, there's a field kitchen because they could see a <laughs> giant fucking fuck it pillar of black smoke <laughs> and they'd know it would always be surrounded by soldiers eating. So they'd ambush them constantly. I can't even eat. <laughs> Leave us alone. <laughs> look, all I did is invade your homeland. Yeah. You don't have to shoot the cook. <laughs> And that's the thing is that they would do those ambushes and they were pretty, they did a lot of damage, but just the, the word of Finnish resistance, like, oh, I hear there's snipers nearby or something. Uh, they, the whole Soviet column would just freeze in place <laughs> for hours. And, and that, that would make the, the, the gridlock worse going back and back and back and back to the point there was traffic jams going clear across the country's borders. Jesus. Yeah. If they had artillery or an air force, they could have absolutely wiped oh, out yeah, the Soviets, dude. but they didn't have either one of those things, really. Uh, now, Mannerheim was worried about the effects the Soviet tanks would have on his largely untrained and inexperienced troops. Many of them have never even seen a tank, let alone had to fight one. Uh, it turns out this was a legit worry, no matter how badass the, the Finns are largely made to sound. Um, even though Soviet armor tactics were, you could call them dumb, unevolved it was largely tank human waves because that's how just how they did things was human waves it was just massive frontal assaults it was enough to shake the finnish soldiers the first time they saw them like oh god look at all those fucking because they had hundreds of tanks everywhere right um in many cases the the soldiers are like fuck this i'm out without even firing a shot Mm. because i mean also what were they going to shoot at them exactly they had no anti-tank weapons in some cases like a scout going hey there might be tanks would cause companies to like, fuck this, we're gone. Wow. So just the rumor of an armored attack was enough. The badly equipped uh, Finns were largely desperate to come up with just some way, any way to just slow down Soviet tanks. Soon they discovered that if they got really close to the tanks, they could attack them, which, sure. That sounds terrible. Yeah, if I got really close to you and shot myself in the face, (laughs) I would probably also shoot you. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> they would wait for the tanks to drive up to their position and then try to wedge logs or pry bars into the tracks. Oh. Which, so <laughs> they, they, like someone uh, uh, brainstormed, like, I remember when I was 10 and I was riding my bike around, 
my brother shoved the stick between the spokes and I ate shit. My pants what if got, I did that to a tank? My pants got stuck in the chain and I flipped. <laughs> what if I did this to a tank? <laughs> uh, Make big pants. Now, like, if you do this, and I mean, this, in modern day tanks, like when I was on an Abrams, if something got wedged in there good enough, you could totally fuck some shit up. Like, it's going to pop off road wheels, break sprockets, break track, all sorts of shit. And it was even more effective back then when shit was largely just bolted together in a factory by an illiterate person. Yeah. Um, now, once the tank was stuck dead, they would just lob firebombs at it, which were christened Molotov cocktails. Nice. Jokingly saying that it was a drink to go with all the bread. That's awesome. <laughs> like, oh, we see your bread baskets, bitch. Yeah. And it, they killed more people with Molotov cocktails than Molotov ever fucking killed with his bread baskets, which is impressive. I mean, only like a couple, I think like 100, 200 Finns died by airstrike during the war, okay. mostly because the Soviet Air Force is fucking competent. But like, they blew up a lot of fucking tanks with Molotov cocktails. Now, normally a bottle of gasoline, which was what a traditional Molotov cocktail or firebomb would be made out of, would not do a whole lot to a steel tank or a tank made out of aluminum. Really any kind of metal tank. It's just shitty gasoline and fire. Right. So the Finns came up with a special blend. Gasoline, kerosene, tar, and potassium chloride were mixed together to create what is effectively an actual firebomb. It exploded with fire. Oh, that's fucking awesome. Instead of just being a fire that you chucked at somebody. Yeah. I tell you about the time we tried making those when we went. Yeah, this is back at Forehead. No. Yeah, we so we'd empty our beer bottles after you know drinking them. Sure. And we'd grab the gasoline because we were at a bonfire and you need gasoline to start up your pallets. Of course. Yeah, that went really bad. <laughs> it went super bad because one of my buddies like, all right, I got it, and it like slipped out of his hand and it, like dropped. I and it, we were all around our vehicles and we're like, oh fuck! And I started <laughs> fucking running because I was like, fuck this. <laughs> Oh, boy. That's exactly what I would imagine a group of soldiers would do with glass bottles and gasoline, honestly. Yeah, that's what happens when you got Bud Lights. <laughs> Get some BLs on you and shit, light some shit on fire. Yeah, uh, yeah they they uh, evolved a shitty firebomb that worked really good on a group of people into a fire explosive that destroyed a lot of Soviet tanks. Um, these tank hunter squads were super effective in lieu of literally any other way to fight off the Soviet tanks. Uh, but as you can imagine... Charging tanks full of firebombs on a suicide mission uh, killed a lot of people. I imagine tank hunter squads didn't last long. 70% of them died yeah, that's on, not, their, that's on their first terrible. mission. Oh, God. Uh, now, the surprising part is like they never had a shortage of people. Like, yeah, I'll do it. They actually had to turn people away. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. They wouldn't. Uh, I never found a single uh, account in the book that someone's like, they were ordered to do this. They only took volunteers because they're like, you're probably not coming back, bro. Understandable. <laughs> yeah. I just uh, like fire. Yeah, it sounds like, I just, I really want to feel the heat. Like, yeah, send that guy. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to see the fire dance. Burn with me. Yeah. Uh, now, these Molotov cocktails became such an effective tool for soldiers at the front that they ran low on bottles. <laughs> uh, so the state liquor board rushed 40,000 empty fifth bottles to the front. Oh, they sent them full. You got to drink them. The like, book says empty. I think they were emptied into the soldiers. Yeah. yeah. They're like, sure, we need the bottles. Uh, conspiracy theory. The Finns were just drunk the whole time. They never actually used Molotov cocktails. Like, yeah, keep telling them to send us glass bottles. <laughs> just drunk and this slaughtering people. shit. Uh, that inexperience on the front line that Mannerheim and virtually every other Finnish officer was worried about uh, also went all the way through the chain of command. 
Finnish staff officers were largely acting in that role for the first time, reacted badly when rumors of Soviet attacks came up, ordering their soldiers to retreat or to attack with no evidence. Uh, like in one case, uh, a, f- a Finnish officer ordered a counterattack, and there's no Soviets there. What are we attacking? <laughs> just, I don't know. Just keep going Aim for the bushes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, Finnish-speaking Soviet soldiers also uh, broke into the Finnish radio networks, which were largely unencrypted and I'd uncoded. So. It's like we speak a different language. <laughs> they couldn't possibly learn that, <laughs> even though we share this giant fucking border with them. <laughs> Uh, and when, uh, were they just using like the fucking Walmart walkie-talkies? Like, oh, I found their channel. They're I, they're on channel one. I got one. this ICOM at Walmart or fucking State Radio Store Two. Yeah. Now, uh, th- once they got into the radio networks, they just started spreading rumors and confusion, like fake orders, like ordering units to retreat, and they're like, oh, I guess we're leaving. <laughs> Now, even though you think this would be a really good way to completely hamstring an army, it really didn't work all that great. It, it was one of those things like they figured out what was happening within like a day and then immediately worked to counteract it. Um, within a day, they were back under control. And instead of being demoralized by this as they should have been, uh, the Finns actually rallied behind it as a joke. Yeah, they got pissed. That's uh, awesome. Confusion aside, they had engaged the Soviets and won. Like, fin- Finland still exists. The Mannerheim line holds. Fuck them. We're still here. <laughs> uh, they had been outnumbered as many as 40 to 1 in some cases, and there had been no Poland-style breakthrough. They had wow. held off the Soviets. The Finns who survived defending the border area had withdrawn to the Mannerheim line, uh, which actually, in some cases, that didn't happen. Uh, there was a almost like a peninsula of, of Finnish territory that went into uh, the Soviet Union, which is almost immediately cut off uh, and surrounded and destroyed. Um, a lot of the Finnish soldiers or border guards in that area decided that, like, uh, well, what do we do? We can't get back. And it's like, let's go live in the woods. <laughs> and a lot of them just fucking vanished into the woods until the war. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Some of them did like occasionally pop back up to shoot Soviets as they walked by. <laughs> like I'm kind of bored. What do you want to do? Well, let's go shoot that. Let's go <laughs> shoot Ivan shoot over that there. Fucking guy. It's like me. Oh fuck. Uh, yeah. Uh, but like the ones that did pull back to the Mannerheim line brought this enthusiasm. Like, hey, we fucked them up. Dude, they came back happy. Like, yeah, we got surrounded, <laughs> yeah. but we fucked their shit up. Yeah. <laughs> and they also remember they learned a lot being the first people to fight the Soviet army, uh, which. At that point, the the soldiers not at the border were like, oh, my God, they're going to stomp us into the ground. They're like, no, those guys fucking suck. We can do this. Um, well, the Soviets are in earshot. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> that's not cool. <laughs> uh, not like, sure, all these guys at the border had been pushed back, but there was just the simple weight of numbers. Like, I only can kill so many people. Yeah. I ran out of ammo. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Soviets were moving so slowly, though. They really couldn't take advantage of any of their victories in the front because they were just moving so goddamn slow. I mean, by simple weight of numbers, all of the losses that they took, as crippling as they should have been to any other army at the border, like, yeah, whatever, we got another 100,000 people. Like, nobody gave a shit. <laughs> yeah. Instead, uh, they would like assault the position, take it, force the Finns back, and then withdraw because the Soviets did not want to fight at night. Fucking ever, 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 ever. Um, the Finns worked around the clock. Um, instead, they would literally circle their tanks and trucks, turn their headlights on, and face them outward, and then form a giant bonfire in the middle of the wind where they, an entire company would sleep around without any kind of guards around. 
Oh, wow. So the Finns would creep out uh, from, the, from the Mannerheim line where they'd fallen back, back into these positions they had just withdrawn from, raid the Soviet supplies and ammo from the dead, which the Soviets had tendency, tendency to just leave out, right. uh, and then take up their positions again. Sometimes oh, cool. they would just raid the fucking Soviets, shoot a couple while they were asleep, then go back to their positions. <laughs> so like the Soviets would wake up like nothing had happened. Like, oh, fuck, the position's full of fins again. And it's just like your dead buddies around you? Yeah. Like, where did all their clothes go? <laughs> <laughs> and, like, they would just wake up and they would be back to square one all the time. That's not good. Like, I would hate to wake up to that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, like, you wake up to take a piss like, ah, oh, I remember we charged that position a couple hours. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Guy shooting at me again. Now, the Red Army, seemingly not learning their lesson, would be a normal part of this war. They launched their first major attack on the Mannerheim line on the left flank. Mannerheim knew this uh, due to the obvious buildup of Soviet forces. Like, they did not try to hide it at all. So three Soviet divisions. Imagine it's hard to find hide. Yeah, they weren't very good at it. I mean, they were, there were just so many of them. And this the area they were attacking is the one flat death trap they could have picked in the entire Kurlianismus. So it's like, hey, look, some Soviets. Um, now, the Soviets raid three division against a single Finnish one. The Soviets brought 84 artillery batteries, which would later be increased up to 111 against nine finished ones. Wow. And like it should be said, those finished guns really didn't have any ammo. <laughs> they were just there. <laughs> they, just had a, they only had a couple, they only had enough rounds for a couple per cannon per day. <laughs> the thing was, is they could not have picked a worse place to attack the Mannerheim line. The left flank was nestled on higher ground with a flat, open death trap in front of them, oh, man. with interlacing sectors of fire of machine guns, artillery, and rifles, and landmines, and barbed wire, creating a killing field. Eventually, they'll run out of ammo, just keep going. Yeah, and then the Soviets went full, the Battle of the Somme, like, fuck it, we'll just batter them with artillery, and then we'll go in and pick up the pieces later. Uh, and the Finnish guns, knowing they couldn't you know, effectively fire a counter-battery in like, an artillery duel, just didn't shoot back. They just like buried them and hoped that they would still be alive after the fucking artillery bombardment had passed. After four hours of nonstop artillery fire, thousands of rounds had been shot at the Finns, did very little fucking damage. Because remember, the Finns didn't build things out of like concrete or anything. They were earthen trenches reinforced by more boulders and logs and shit. So as soon as they had a chance, they could just reinforce them with nature. (laughs) Yeah. It's uh, all around us. Yeah, like, bitch, you're literally fighting Finland right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, uh, as soon as the fire ended, thousands upon thousands of Soviet troops launch- and tanks launched a frontal assault. Um, only then, when those troops were out in that killing field, did the ar- Finnish artillery open fire on them. Um, and the Soviets ran for their fucking lives. I imagine. They're like, oh, God, they do have <laughs> artillery. Uh, hundreds of them died within seconds. Um, oh, man. <laughs> they launched frontal assaults over and over again, each one uh, having been destroyed by Finnish artillery. Um, the Finns waited. So, like, uh, there was uh, they were only a couple hundred meters away from the trench when the artillery fired because their guns are old. Um, they don't have some of the, uh, the sights are out of date. They can't fire them very well. So they had to be really sure they were within the operating ranges of these guns. Like, these things aren't very trustworthy. Let's wait until we can see them. Yeah. Where, do you, where are your sights? Ah, this one's based off a of feel. A guy just lit, it's just some old guy licking his finger and sticking it up in the wind. Yeah. We're good. 
It's like he fucking wipes the ground, licks it, and go, yeah, we're good. Go ahead and shoot them. Like, oh, cool, they're 20 feet in front of us. It's like the don't shoot until you see the whites of their eyes, but in Finland. Uh, and the, the, these frontal assaults being like literally turned into nothing but blood, shit, and piss, and screaming wounded never slowed the Soviets down. Wave after wave of Soviet soldiers came at them. As one broke, another one would just come in right after them. Entire platoons got caught in barbed wire, which was uh, hidden in snowbanks. And it, it, it doesn't detail if that was a plan or they just had barbed wire, which was then snowed on. I'm oh, gonna, for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why not both? Because <laughs> I think the Finns were like, oh, cool. They don't see it. <laughs> this is great. Whole Soviet companies were annihilated by air-bursting shrapnel shells firing by Finnish coastal guns because the coastal gunners got bored when there's no more Navy <laughs> yeah. ships to shoot at. Piles of Soviet dead had to be kicked out of the way by Finnish uh, gunners and soldiers uh, because they obscured the fighting positions. It'd be really tiring to be a Finnish guy on that line. Yeah, your, your, your finger's just getting cramps. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in just 24 hours, 2,000 Soviets have been killed. Jesus. And, they, and that they finally gave up the attack. They're like, yeah, all right, all right, we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> uh, the Soviets actually gave up on uh, a major offensive in the Taipal area, but that didn't mean that they stopped. Um, now, like, they realized that they're not going to break this left flank, but that doesn't mean that they were, like, fully committed to it. They're, like, they're prairie dogging their offensive here. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. Like, they never committed that much. Um, to try to break it again, but they continued trying to attack it, which is mm. dumb. Like you couldn't break it with three divisions and hundreds of artillery pieces, but you're going to try with like platoons at a time too. Oh God. Cool. Um, that single division, the Finnish 10th division would stay there the entire war. Uh, they held that line without relief for months. Uh, the Soviets ordered frontal assaults on them seemingly at random every couple of days and like clockwork, the Finns would just mow them down and go and kick the bodies out the way. Uh, if you're thinking that this affected the Soviets more than the Finns, you would somehow be wrong. Finnish soldiers were so badly shaken by the mindless slaughter of their Russian attackers that several soldiers had to be evacuated because they became emotionally unstable. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, I imagine. <laughs> Like maybe that was their plan all along. Like this, the Soviets are the Zap Brannigan here. Like the Finnish soldier has a preset kill limit, and if we just keep sending wave after wave, they'll eventually just shut down, and then they'll go home and they'll start a peril company and start making coffee. It'll be weird, but it'll work. Um, yeah. In some cases, uh, as the Soviets were attacking, Finnish soldiers wave their hands around trying to get them to turn back around, telling them that they didn't have to throw their lives away like this and it wasn't worth it. Look, I'm tired. Come on. <laughs> we actually saw that in World War One with the Italian soldiers fighting the Austrians. They're like, go home. You don't have to die here. And like they held their fire until they're only 50 meters away, hoping the Soviet soldiers would just be like, they have a point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the next Soviet attack came in the Suma sector, uh, which is the center of the Mannerheim line. Defended by, again, a single Finnish division, this one being the 5th. Now, the odds of the 5th division were about as bad as anywhere else in the Finnish army at this time. But they had the added level uh, of, of bad, being that their commander actually had no faith in his own soldiers. The men of the 5th had yet to see combat, like many units in the Finnish army. Uh, but their commander just already was like, yeah, well, we're not going to be able to stop the Russians here. Which is definitely what you want to hear your commander say. I would love to hear that. 
That's like, imagine like, sir, we can do this. Like, no, we can't. No, (laughs) we can't. Shit. Um, I mean, that's that's a real confidence builder right there. Like normally you're, even when you're a leader, send you into a suicide mission, like, uh, for the fatherland. (laughs) This one's like, like, uh, I'll see you 20 miles in the rear kids. Uh, well, the Russian sappers blew up the Finnish anti-tank obstacles, which isn't a good start. Uh, and they did it like pretty pretty well covered. The Finns didn't know they were there. Um, and these untrained troops immediately came under armored assault, which is not how things should start. Um, now, even though the commander definitely DD'd the fuck out of there as fast as he could, his soldiers did not. They're like, fuck that guy. We'll handle this on our own. <laughs> which, strangely enough, happens a lot in this war. But uh, instead, these soldiers stayed put in their trenches and waited for the Russian tanks to pass. Now, kind of like World War I, the Russians didn't really have combined arms warfare. They had the tanks acting as a mobile cover for infantry. So they're like, well, if we just wait for the tanks to pass by, then we just have the infantry to shoot at. And the tanks will be all by themselves. Yeah, the tanks don't even know what's going on. Let's go. They yeah. turn around. They're all dead behind them. Also, remember, they have no communications for the most part. Oh. And they're arguing with their commissars constantly. So uh, so they, they let the tanks pass. And now the, those Russian soldiers, unprotected, were just standing in front of their machine guns. Imagine the Russian soldiers were like, oh, this was easy. Yeah. And then the Russians immediately ran for it after they ran into face first into a finished machine gun, which then forced the tanks like, oh, fuck, all of our infantry's dead, and then they retreated. <laughs> uh, in another section of line, Russian sappers were killed by their own artillery cover, which is fun. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> uh, and, because the art- and because they can't communicate, and everybody assumed that the sappers did their job, uh, the tanks then just charged through with the obstacles still in place. Yeah, there were explosions over there. Yeah, that must have been the sappers. What do you mean the sappers didn't come back? Fuck it. Uh, they ran into the obstacles at like full bore, causing them to high center themselves. Uh, they have, you know, like everybody's familiar with the, the cross shaped hedgehog tank obstacle that, uh, the, the, you know, the Germans fam- famously put on, uh, Omaha beach. Yeah. They did that, but with rocks and boulders. That's real finish of them. Yeah. So the tanks would become high centered on these, uh, on the, the, you know, the floor of the tank or the, the, the bottom armor of the tank is virtually unarmored because why would we get hit there? <laughs> Uh, which allowed the Finnish gunners to target the weak spots of that mm. tank with their incredibly out-of-date anti-tank weapons. And it's the only way they ever worked. <laughs> um, the crazy part is this entire offensive was going on totally independently from Finnish high command. Um, and by that, I mean the command structure that was in charge of that sector of the Mannerheim line had no idea they were under attack. Wow. Um, Russian artillery had destroyed the phone lines and World War I vintage <laughs> Finnish radios all broke or burnt out from overuse or broke from exposure in the harsh winter. Um, or sometimes simply they were just being used too much. Also, there's a lot of times they just didn't work. Like, like oh, we got a radio issued to us from high command and it's broken. Cool. Yeah. Which, that still happens. There's no hand mic. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a radio. Uh, touch the wires together. Now, this meant that all these early defensive victories that, like, the commanders didn't think were going to work were all shouldered on the lowest level of Finnish leadership. Um, small unit leaders, and sometimes just trench lines with all the officers who already held ass, with no support whatsoever from command, all while facing down more soldiers and tanks than the, that were in their entire army. Like, so, like, conscripts and, like, E1s and some, like, lieutenant who somehow was in charge of a battalion. It's like, yeah, we got this. <laughs> Fuck the generals. That's insane. <laughs> I mean, general officers are the most useless officers on the totem pole. 
they don't really do much. They don't seem to. And but if they win, which we will see, uh, they'll immediately take all that credit though. Always. I was in that trench. Yeah. Well, I was in command of those soldiers. Yes, I was 50 miles away. No, I couldn't talk to them, but they were under my command. But if they lose, I was 50 miles away and I didn't even have, I couldn't even talk to them. I couldn't command them. (laughs) Gotta flip that. Gotta gotta roll them dice. Now, this, uh, with this total failure of communication, the Finns immediately had to improvise. And that was use switchboard operators on unsecured lines, kind of like old timey telephones. Right. If you if you remember um, those like cutscenes in movies where you have the people frantically unplugging and plugging in wires, yeah, that, yeah it's it's that. That seems super stressful. Yeah, I would hate that job. It's also completely unsecured, unencrypted, and it can very easily be tapped into by the Russians who have already done that. Um, and they knew that the Russians were listening to them, so they knew they were kind of rolling the dice on those. So they'd improvise a code on the fly, and it has to be the best code. In human history. Panda. Uh, uh, try again. Now, this led the Fids to kind of develop their own language. A lot of Finns spoke Swedish because there was Swedish-speaking Finns from, as we talked about in episode one, a lot of cross-pollination there because of colonization. Um, and they used a mixture of Swedish and Finnish slang. And when that didn't work, they simply used swear words to describe regions, commanders, units. It was just a string of curses. <laughs> Now imagine you're a Soviet radio man (laughs) with a commissar peering over your shoulder, trying to write down this message and not trying to piss off your like angry political officer. Uh, Comrade commissar, the fifth division message as follows. Shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, tits, fart, turd, and twat. Like, ugh, fuck. (laughs) I think they're cussing each other out. True heads will know. I just quoted a Blink-182 song. (laughs) That's right. Uh, Anyway, it worked. Fucking worked great. Because, like, uh, and there is something to be said, like, you can learn a language but not know its slang because you don't live there. That's true. And, I mean, like, so they, they had um, Finnish-speaking uh, Soviet soldiers, but, like, they learned in school or whatever. They don't know all the slang. Also, they don't know this weird mixture of curse words in two different la- other languages. So it's like, fuck it, this isn't working anymore. <laughs> now, all this didn't stop the Russians from fleeing unsupported ground attacks at these defensive works anyway, leaving thousands of dead bodies in the snow behind them. In another occasion, a Soviet tank stopped dead in its tracks. Now, this is an entire Soviet armor offensive. 30 tanks. They just ran out of gas. Wow. Just, really? Just stopped right there in the kill zone. Ran out of gas. And they were just slowly, one by one, picked off by Finnish anti-tank fire. Oh, that sucks. Like, the crew didn't even get out and run because they were afraid of what would happen to them if they abandoned their tank. So they just sat there and died. <laughs> <laughs> I think I tried my chances. No, I definitely would have surrendered. Like, I like my chances with the Finns better than I do with you the guys political seem officer. Pretty cool. <laughs> I I heard you guys swearing over the radio. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, or at least like, imagine how angry those tankers are. They're just sitting there, and the tank driver is like, the, the tank is like, why the fuck aren't we going? He's like, I don't know, sir. The tank just isn't running. As you look down, it says E on the, like, <laughs> I'm not telling him I forgot to fuel up. <laughs> I'll fucking die before I do that. Now, the cold had grown so horrifically bad by December that um, after a few of these attacks, the Finns were, were going to uh, try another tactic to scare off some of their Soviet enemies. And that was they picked up their frozen corpses and stuck them face down in the snow to try to ward off the yeah, attacks. Like some pictures of that. Look what keeps happening. <laughs> uh, the warning was ignored. Waves of Soviet soldiers cleared landmines for the soldiers uh, behind them. 
um, with some of them linking arms and sprinting through Finnish minefields. The Finns looked down in horror as the Soviet marched to their death singing party songs and cheering. Now, before you think this is a group of soldiers caught up in some kind of weird revolutionary spirit of taking over Finland for imperialistic purposes, uh, these soldiers were actually forced to do this. Political officers and battalion commanders would order them into no man's land under threat of death. Whereas saying uh, it was no certain death, but at least you had a chance of getting your leg blown off or something. But if you stay here, I'm going to shoot you in the head. Now sing. Yeah. Uh, Finnish soldiers were so horrified by this that many of them did not open fire on the human waves. And so they just watched them get torn apart by mines and get wounded and shit. Wow. And sometimes like when the uh, Soviets made it across, like the few that did, would immediately surrender and the Finns like, yeah, yeah, come on over. <laughs> yeah, you guys get like, treated like shit. Come on. <laughs> yeah. There could be only one. One Soviet soldier said that there was no fear in the ranks. Uh, just like a dull apathy and like an indifference towards impending doom. Which is somehow more depressing than thinking that these are all scared shitless conscripts. Like they're all lining up all every single one just accepting they're already dead. Uh, which has to be the most Soviet thing that has ever been said on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, a captured Soviet letter from the Suma battlefield lays out things pretty starkly. A soldier who was trying to write home uh, said that they were all starving, having not eaten about two days. They're all infested with lice and freezing. Um, and dozens of people had died from the weather or pneumonia or typhus, dysentery. Um, and then the, the the Finns got their hands in some POWs, and the prisoners painted a pretty grim picture, and, and there's a pretty good explanation for why they surrendered as soon as they could. And that's why, like, uh, one of the byproducts of just mass Soviet attacks is there was very few mass surrenders because they knew they would probably just get capped. Yeah. It was like they got ambushed, and, like, one person happened to survive or not get shot by a sniper. Like, fuck yeah, I'll surrender. <laughs> Nobody else is around anymore. Yeah. Uh, but the soldiers' morale was poor, and people were deserting in huge numbers. Because remember, the Soviet army is mostly conscripts, 95 99% conscripts. Uh, officers and soldiers were beginning to refuse to take part in frontal assaults after seeing so many fail. Um, this, of course, didn't stop those attacks from happening, but it did make the NKVD's firing squad work overtime to kill them all. Oh. Yeah. Now, the war is now hardly a month old. And Finland is about to strike back, go on the offensive. Really? Yep. And that is where we'll pick up next week. For part four. For part four. I'm not going to lie, part three was pretty sweet. It gets, you know, I'm not, I can't give anything away, but the offensive that's coming up, it's not the offensive that everybody's thinking of, but we'll get there. I hope skis are involved. Skis so. are, you know, we talked about them briefly, uh, but it can, uh, it can be just assumed that most large-scale movement in the north of Finland, in the Lake Lagoda area, is mostly ski-borne um, because you cannot walk through snowbanks who are taller than me. Right. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, and at this point, the, the, the Soviets are finally starting to get their own skis into theater, though they really don't know how to use them that well. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's, it's all bad. Um, that is part three of our Winter War. If you like what we do here and you think that what we do is worth a dollar. You can throw it to us on Patreon. You get bonus content. Um, you get more episodes. You get books. You get stickers. You get episodes early. You get access to our Discord, the Hell of a Way to Die podcast, and it's got a pretty, pretty big growing community there. Um, or you could. We have merchandise. 
uh, if you want one of one of of those shirt, sticker, cup, flag, we have all sorts of shit up on Teespring Lines by Donkey's store, or you can follow us on Twitter at Lines underscore by, or you can follow Nick at NickCastM1, and you can follow me at JCast99. Now we are fifty percent of the way to our Patreon goal of two thousand dollars a month. Nice. At which point Nick and I will get Lines led by Donkey's tattoos. Uh, and that is actually currently being designed what? Uh, by a listener. Yeah. Oh, I thought we were going to pick. He has a very good idea. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that is part three, and we will see you next week for part four. Sweet. Later.